After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. J.J. Cooper, Jeff Ponce here, a Baseball America Hot Sheet Prospect Podcast, because it is, it's Hot Sheet Day, and man, it is a power-packed prospect hot sheet this week. <laughs> We're going to talk about a number of the players in this. We're going to cover a, a lot of ground, but we're going to start with the with the news of the week, with the story of the week, our number one prospect on this week's hot sheet, and I will throw the disclaimer that we always have to throw. Being number one in a hot sheet does not mean you are the number one prospect in baseball. It is the player who had the pro- who had the biggest week in the past week. But that said, if you told me that this player ended up being the number one prospect at some point in baseball, wouldn't shock me. And that is our number one prospect on this week's hot sheet. Jackson Holiday, Orioles shortstop, and most importantly, and the part that I wanted to start with, Jeff, here is how surprised are you that we say now high a Aberdeen shortstop Jackson holiday? Um, when that news came through yesterday, I was a little bit surprised. Uh, he's only had 25 games in low a between last season. And then I think 12 this season at 13 last year, 12 this year, somewhere along there. And um, the production's of course been great. I think if you watch the at bats, he's very advanced skill wise great swing decisions. There's bat to ball ability there. And beyond that, he's shown some power, had a multi home run game last week. Um, just as all the little things. Well, uh, so I don't know. I don't know if I should be shocked or not, but it, it was still a little bit of a surprise. I kind of didn't anticipate the bump or promotion here from the Orioles until maybe like late May, early June. I, I think we're maybe like a month earlier than I had, uh, anticipated and that's if he had kept all of this up especially when you consider the Orioles are an organization that is not terribly aggressive with their assignments or promotions um, they tend to be a little bit more conservative you see guys you know tend to sort of marinate for a little bit longer especially with their early season assignments so I think maybe the context of it being the Orioles as well was a little bit surprising but it speaks volumes about the talent and the ability Uh, in the polish that Jackson holiday has at this point. The thing that stands out to me is, I mean, we are, the season is still incredibly young, but having thrown that little kind of caveat in, in there, it's not unusual, even for top high school picks to have a little bit of a, you know, kind of find your feet portion Mm -hmm. like that April, right? That's your, that is the first month of your first full season in ball. Jackson Holiday is hitting 392, 523, 667 at the time of the promotion. And you say, wow, that's really impressive. Okay, let's just look at what some of the other top high school hitters from last year's draft class. 
Drew Jones has one extra base hit right now in a 483 OPS. Elijah Green has 27 strikeouts in 12 games. Jet Williams is getting on base a ton, 439 on base, but he has three extra base hits and is hitting 213 with a 340 slugging. Justin Crawford is hitting for average 293, but with a 326 OBP and a 366 slugging. That does not mean that any of those players, we are not saying, oh, right off Drew Jones, the first three weeks of his first full pro season are not going well. But the point being, Jackson Holiday is performing at a level that if you if you really say the rest of the high school hitter class from last year's first round, Cole Young is is doing very well, but Jackson Holiday is at a different level. And most of these guys aren't even coming close to this level of coming this fresh out of the gate start of the season promotion, you know, start of the season production, which has led to this very aggressive promotion. But it's also to kind of go with that. It is a logical promotion when you say, I know it's 13 games, Mm -hmm. but he's walking more than he's striking out. He's hitting for average. He's getting on base at a level that like is again, it's, He's getting on base more than half of the times that he's at the plate. That's absurd. And he he kind of got the final check mark, which is he had the two home run game on Friday, first home runs, and then basically, which are his last home runs in Del Marva. If you're a Del Marva fan, my uh, my my con you know, I can my condolences for the fact that you got basically no time with the number one prospect. I mean, that that felt like it was like an hour and a half is like, wait, we were just getting to know you Jackson holiday, but congratulations on the other hand, if you are a, a, a fan in Aberdeen, because uh, you're going to have a whole lot of fun. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. I, you know, it's uh, if you're a Baltimore Royals fan, you got to be excited at this point. Um, you know, the team is continuing to be pretty competitive at the major league level. You're bringing up some of these young players. Um, Grayson Rodriguez, regardless of the ERA, some of the estimators have been pretty good. I think as he tightens his command and walks a few less, um, we'll see You know, a pretty substantial upswing there. You have a bunch of prospects like Norby, Westberg, and some others, uh, you know, Heston Kerstad, um, even sort of guys you've seen before like Kyle Stowers that are right on the cusp of impact and you know potentially contributing at the major league level. Um, and then you have exciting talent in the lower levels as well. And I, I think it's sort of remarkable, and I know that we're not the first people to say this, but they're referencing our list. There's a chance that going into next offseason, the Orioles could have three different players be the number one prospect in baseball three consecutive years. I don't, I don't believe that. Which has never happened. Which yeah. has never happened. To, like, to have a guy, like we've had, what we saw this year already, like you, we've seen guys who are okay. Chipper Jones was our number one prospect and then got hurt. And he was our number one prospect again. Same thing happened with Joe Maurer. You, you know, you, you've seen situations like that, right? Bryce Harper back to back years, but to have two different players to go Adley Rushman to Gunnar Henderson. Okay. We're already in, uh, we're breaking new ground here. But if Jackson Holiday did that next year, that's that's far beyond anything we've ever seen and just does speak to it. Now, again, the Orioles have been, let's just be clear, two of those are 
the number one pick in the draft, right? Sure. Like it, you have to be pretty bad to, 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 to get the number one pick in the draft. All that being said, it's still, it's hard to absolutely hit even on number one picks. And they clearly hit on Adley Rushman. That's already, that already is a check mark of well done. Gunnar Henderson was not number one pick and he's already a check mark. He moves so fast. I know he hasn't had the production yet at the big league level. Just wait, it's coming. But already with Jackson Holiday, the scouting feedback we get, the data we have, everything indicates. I mean, he's already, he came into the season as our number 15 prospect. We have a top 100 prospect update coming up. Give a little sneak peek. We're, we are discussing, does he move up? And I think the answer most likely will be yes. Um, and again, with all of this, it just does speak for that. But Jeff, the other thing I did want to bring up, you put together this week's hot sheet. He is not the only Delmarva player on it. And there's someone else here that we should be talking about as well. Should we not? Yeah. And that's uh, one of their, this is sort of a, a different thing for the Orioles, but um, one of their top international signees over the last couple of classes as they've sort of dove back into the international waters. Um, and that's Samuel Baseo, um, who's the catcher or one of the catchers. Uh, Creed Williams is also getting some catching in there and also putting up pretty uh, eye-popping production. Um, I think the thing with Baseo that's so impressive is the amount of power he's shown in comparison to other players, you know, within the Carolina league. Um, it's not a league that it has seen a lot of power uh, upticks in the early point of the season. doesn't look like they're using, you know, uh, the juicy, you know, rabbit ball, or whatever you want to call it there. Um, I think I forget what the number was, but like his, his home run production in comparison to the rest of the league is, especially for his age is really standout. And he's a, you know, big guy, I think he's like 6'4", 6'5", even. I think he's listed 6'4", but I think I've heard some folks that have seen him recently that he might actually be like 6'5". Big arm behind the plate. And then you have this this power and some field to hit to go along with it. He's maybe a name that we're not talking about as much with this whole glut of of Orioles prospects that maybe we should be. Um, And could be a guy that by the end of the season is probably – squarely with inside of their top 10, especially as they have some graduations, I think throughout the summer. I, I will be, you know, uh, he is a truly another fascinating prospect to watch, but we do have some other notable, notable promotions that are covered in our hot sheet this week. Other guys who are standing out and we're going to cover those right after a quick break. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster and indeed doesn't just help you hire faster 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back. So, Jeff, in addition to the fact that we have Jackson Holiday coming up with a, well, we would describe as surprising promotion, not because we didn't expect him to be promoted, but maybe a little faster than we expected him to be promoted. I would say that also this week we had the least surprising promotion that we'll see all season, which was Andrew Abbott jumping from double A to triple A. And I, I, I think if it hadn't happened, I was going to start a uh, free Andrew Abbott campaign because Andrew Abbott kind of did this last year. He dominated Dayton. Their plan was the Reds plan was for him to spend a decent bit of the start of the season at Dayton, high a Dayton Midwest league. And he was just so good that they had to promote him to double a wasn't as good, like up and down a little bit in double a tailed off as the season went along, but did get, spent the vast majority of last season at double a and then the Reds sent Abbott back to double a this season to start the season. And is it fair to say that he demonstrated that there's really nothing left for him to show nothing left for him to learn at the double a Southern league level? I I think so. Um, you know, (laughs) pretty, pretty easy to say that. Right. Um, the performance has been great. I mean, he wasn't bad, you know, during his time in double A last year, uh, but it's been a step up again this year. The fastball velocity is up a little bit. Um, you know, some of that is, you know, potentially, you know, when he pitched it, you know, last year and, you know, the, the length right. of the start season. of the season, you want yeah. to make sure he doesn't wear down. Like if you look at, if you do look at his performance last year, that if you were going to nitpick it, I would say, that he was a guy who his best stuff in addition to his best success was in the first half of the season last year. But for all that, like, yeah, he still took a jump. His stuff has still jumped up this year. Like to give you the answer on that though, like last year he was two and oh, 1.20 with, you know, a dominating season at a, in April at Dayton. Then he was, scoreless two scoreless starts in Dayton and he, uh, he was 19 to three strikeout to walk and walk in Chattanooga in May. And then you say the rest of the season while well, he had an ERA over six in June, over six in July, over 5.8 in August. And on top of that, he, uh, his strikeout to walk rate went down, you know, his hits allowed rate went up. Everything got worse as season went along, but sorry, like, but, we're not seeing that so far this year. This year, it's been dominating. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think if you look at the metrics sort of across the board, too, um, the velocity's up. The induced vertical break is up this season thus far. Um, 
I just think the stuff is continuing to tick up. And this was a guy that was a, a for all you know, intents and purposes, a senior sign out of UVA or a four-year guy out of UVA. Um, had been between the bullpen and the starting rotation, got an opportunity to start his last year there full-time and has really improved year over year dating back to his last year, you know, in the amateur ranks. And also I'll say this, and I think I say this every time we talk about Andrew Abbott, um, one of the, one of the best folks that we met, uh, well, he was fun at the prospect pad last year between, you know, him and he brought his parents along with him. Uh, and they were sort of hanging out and, and cracking jokes and, uh, just a, an easy guy to root for. So I'm excited to see it. And, you know, it wouldn't shock me if this guy comes up to Cincinnati at some point during the summer and, you know, joins that Reds rotation. It really wouldn't be a huge shock, especially considering he's a guy that's going to have to be out of the 40 man this offseason. Not at all. Not a huge shock at all, especially because this is right now, I would say, a rotation that, uh, that, that basically has a great top end at a truly horrific back into it so far. And so if Abbott, Abbott, they don't need Andrew Abbott to be a one, a two, or even a three. They have Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft for that. But if he could be their number four, they they don't have a, 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 a they don't really have a four or a five right now who are performing. And again, this is a Reds team that that's a, a little sprightly right now. Like you look at it, they have that front of the rotation to compare to other teams. If they could add Andrew Abbott to that and, and kind of just stabilize, solidify a little further. I I do think that that's, that's could be very valuable for them. Um, But kind of along those lines, another guy who we expect to head to AAA before long, maybe really soon is uh, Gavin Williams, who again, is a guy who started the year in double a and Jeff seems to be showing that, that maybe double a doesn't have a whole lot left to, to, to teach him. Yeah. I think when we did sort of um, surprising assignments out of camp, you know, that we did right at the beginning of the season, a few weeks back, I think Williams is probably one that stuck out to everybody is like, wow, like he's back in double a, you know, um, Bybee is, is up in triple a, Okay. Like, I think we were all a little surprised by that. And especially he made 16 starts last year with Akron and had a 2.31 ERA, um, you know, averaged over 10 strikeouts per nine. Um, The underlying numbers were pretty good. They're even better this season. He's just flat out dominated. He threw five no hit innings um, back on Thursday, I believe. I think he just had one walk with like eight K's. Um, the stuff is obviously there. This is a guy with a true four pitch arsenal, um, fastball that sits 95 to 97 miles per hour can run it up to 99, you know, almost touch a hundred miles per hour. Um, mixes a good, good slider. He's got a pretty good change up and then, you know, a curveball that he can float in there. That's, you know, a legitimate pitch as well. And one that he's used effectively dating back to his time at, you know, East Carolina. So, um, another guy from that 2021 draft class that was a four-year player in college um, that could have been taken in 2020. And I think as we look back, that's going to be um, sort of the story of that 2021 draft is the amount of really talented pitchers that were draft eligible twice out of college and you know found success pretty quickly in the professional ranks. So to me, Williams is, you know, he's our number one Guardians prospect. Uh, and 
that's saying something because he's in pretty good company up there. Even if we forget about Espino and the injuries that he's had, you know, for a moment and talk about, you know, Tanner Bybee up in triple a, um, his stuff has ticked up a little bit and there's certainly a conversation to be had there at sort of the top of that guardian system. I think now too, alongside Williams. And this is an organization that's had no trouble developing starting pitching prospects. We saw another one, Logan T Allen come up and have a really good start in his debut. So it's really interesting to just see how much of a machine they seem to be in terms of producing quality starting pitching prospects that have a legitimate chance to be mid-rotation type arms or better. They really actually, again, this is the Guardian's problem right now. We actually talked about this on the pod last week when they brought up uh, Rokio, I believe, for you know uh, a blip. Um, <laughs> the, the Guardian's... Again, you would rather have this problem than the we don't have any players to bring up problem. But like <laughs> if everything's going well for the Guardians, they at any point have to have some guys in AAA who could help potentially in the big leagues. Because like if you look at their rotation right now, like you said, Logan T. Allen came up and pitched well. If everyone, they've had guys who have not started the year great. Right. And I'm not saying that every member of the rotation is going to be a fixture in that rotation all year. Not saying that by any stretch of imagination, but they've had guys like Cal Quantrill who hasn't been as good this year as he's been in the past. Right. Mm -hmm. But if the guys who've performed for them in the past, the please acts, the Quantrills of the world are pitching well, they don't have enough spots in the rotation for everyone because they now have a triple a rotation when Williams arrives, if Allen, you know, even if Allen sticks in the rotation up there, that there are guys in AAA. It's like, yeah, there are other teams where this guy would be pitching in the big leagues right now. Mm -hmm. And again, they have this in middle infielders as well. I feel like that they have guys at AAA who it's like, you got to just wait your turn because we have more guys than we have spots right now. Yeah. And I saw, you know, I saw Columbus a few weeks ago and, you know, I saw Logan T Allen, but, Rokio was hitting uh, Tyler Freeman had a big season, had a big early start to the season or hot start to the season. Um, he's showing a little bit more power as well. We have access of course, publicly to the exit velocity data at AAA, and those numbers are up for him. Um, it's, it's a really exciting group. You know, they have a ton of middle infielders. They have a ton of pitchers. Uh, that's not a bad place to be. And certainly not a bad place to be in terms of, you know, acquiring talent from outside the organization. Those are trade chips that most teams are looking for, especially as we look at some of these teams out there and some of the guys that are in starting rotations at the major league level. Um, but also some of the guys that are playing shortstop right now for bigger market teams, um, the Red Sox and the Dodgers in particular are really struggling to sort of find a starting shortstop. I mean, we have Mookie Betts moving from the outfield back into the infield and playing shortstop, not even just second base, making starts at shortstop. So I think that sort of speaks volumes about uh, the depth that they have at two fairly tricky positions, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's, <laughs> it is, again, it is a very, very good problem to have. Um, and, and one that I do think, uh, is one to kind of keep an eye on, obviously, with the Guardians. But also, hey, it's uh, the AL Central. We I tweeted about this yesterday. It's not going to take 95 wins to win the AL Central this year. I, I feel mm -hmm. confident in saying that. Um, so that that is a good place for the Guardians to be, who have not been 
in any way dominant so far this year. But uh, but before we wrap this up, who else on this week's hot sheet really stood out to you? Who who do you? I'll just open the floor to you, Jeff. Who is it that you would like to talk about? Oof. Um, and this was a as you said, this was like as talented of a of a hot sheet as we've had um, so far this season. I think part of that is because we've had you know full seasons worth of or excuse me, full weeks worth of games, and we're a couple of weeks into the season now uh, that we're starting to see some of the cream rise to the top. You know, a, a name that we'll bring up here, because uh, we could talk about Junior Cameronero, but I think there's plenty of, of talk already about Junior Cameronero that I think is kind of interesting, is Edgar Cuero. Um, he's sort of another one of these players within the, the Angels system that was assigned aggressively to Rocket City. Uh, we've seen it work out. It also seems like there's a direct pathway between Rocket City and the Major League roster of late. Uh, so Cuero is interesting because we've seen Logan Ohapi, unfortunately, go down with a, a pretty major injury that probably is going to cost them the remainder of his season. And they don't have a ton in terms of uh, the way of catching depth that can contribute offensively. And the way that they've been so aggressive with some of their prospects, you have to wonder um, how long until Quero potentially gets some opportunities at the major league level as well. I, I don't it know. It can't be this year, can it? It can't be this year, can it? Like, that is asking. I'm not saying it's impossible, but <laughs> him being a double A is incredibly aggressive. And I know he's handled it so far, but being a double A, catching's hard. Yes. Like, I just struggle to believe that 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 they will be willing to handle to a teenage catcher the keys when instead of like saying, "Hey, if we need to, we're going to go out there and get take a pick of random veteran who will just frame and block." Sure. I, they, they might. I, I just wonder, you know, do they, the, the way that they seem to be going all in this year. Uh, and I think you look at his profile, by the way, he just, he's been 20 for a whole 19 days, by the way. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. He is a 20 year old. <laughs> still can't drink. Uh, but you know, it's one of these things where he's so polished contact and approach wise. Um, you know, he walks more than he strikes out. He's walking a ton. He's got a 21% walk rate over the first 11 games there. Um, the bats of ball skills are good. There's some power. It's probably average to fringe average. Um, but if the power, they feel like the polish is there receiving wise. And I mean, he's certainly handled some, some high velocity stuff there that they feel they can give him some games. I don't know. It, it, Cause it does seem like it's all hands on deck this year with the angels to, try to be competitive, make the playoffs and what could be uh, sort of the swan song for the trout Otani combination here. I, you know, it's, I, again, I'm not ready to go that, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, Hey, we, we may be rewinding this in August and you're like, see, I told you I predicted it, but that said what he has done so far is already very impressive. And yes. I, I do feel like, like we are seeing, some very young players hold their own at levels that where they were given aggressive assignments and they haven't, they haven't struggled to handle that assignment. Cuero obviously stands out as one of those. 
but he's not the only one to me. Uh, you know, like I, I'll, I'll throw it to you. I don't want to put you on the spot, but is there anyone else that like that stands out to you as like, hey, man, this this is the guy who I kind of I was very intrigued when he got the assignment, but now I'm even more intrigued because he's kind of handling a, a very aggressive assignment. Oof. Uh, you are putting me on the spot here because I'm trying to think of one. I'll throw out one while you're thinking of one. I'll throw out one, which is uh, which is is uh, Gabby Gabriel Gonzalez, Gabby Gonzalez, who is uh, you know, I, it's not shocking that he's back, you know, but he's like he's just basically so far the Cal League's the Cal League, but really good at bats. Again, he's 19, so I don't want to make it sound like he's absurd that he's there but he's a guy who does stand out to me as a guy who i i don't think i think he may not be long for uh for modesto if he keeps this up um I, obviously the other one i would say is is again churio's not setting the world on fire but i think the the sure i think his quality of it at bats are are very good for a uh, uh a 19 year old in double a yeah, I know this guy is 21, but he didn't have a ton of time uh, in the regular season last year. They ended up at the Fall League. Another guy that's actually on the hot sheet, but that's Colt Keith. Um, you know, Keith had a big week last week. Um, you know, he's 21. I think he's one of 13 players, tw- 21 years of age or, or, or younger in the Eastern League this year, the youngest of which is Jason Dominguez. But I think we all expected him to be assigned back there this year. Um and he's, he's impressed. He's been really good. The other guy that I'll mention there, too, is Louis Matos, um, who's having a little bit of a resurgence. Uh, he's hitting well. Uh, he's shown a little bit of power. We know how strong he is in terms of uh, the bat-to-ball skills and the, the outfield defense and some of those things. But I think the approach is really showing up as well. He has twice as many walks as he has strikeouts right now. And that's a, that's a pretty big um, development for, you know, Matos's profile, who dealt with a ton of injuries last year. I think he was a guy, alongside some other guys who have been impressive, like Brady House and Khalil Watson before he got hurt, that I had listed in my uh, bounce back uh, prospect article before the season. And he's been really good. Um, you know, the numbers have been good. And, and you know, he's 21 years of age and struggled a little bit as a 20 a year old in, in high A last year. And uh, we're seeing a, a pretty significant step up. So there's there's been some aggressive assignments, I think partially because there's been so many good players that have been promoted to the major leagues, either at the start of the season or here early over the first couple of weeks, um, that it's kind of pushing a lot of those guys up to the higher levels. I think also the minors have changed. I mean, the, the reality of it is, is that because you can't send a guy to – the Affy League, Pioneer League, New York Penn League. Well, you can't send them to the Northwest League, but it's a very different assignment than it was uh, in, in 2019. Low A is a younger league, a younger level than it was under the old system, which also means that there are players who, before you just said they're going to low A, again, this is to take Jackson Holiday. It's the perfect way to wrap this up, which is, We'll bring it all the way back around the circle. Jackson Holiday is proving to be too advanced for low A. Why? Because, I mean, the thing that stands out with Jackson Holiday and the thing that has me very excited about him is this is a player. He came into 
the 2022 draft year as an elite prospect. It was not like there was any scenario where it was like, oh, who's Jackson Holiday? But he wasn't considered a guy who's going to go number one. And then you saw he took another step up as a high school senior, and he was just a better player than he'd ever been before. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen so far in his very brief pro career that is not even yet a year old, but in his pro career, what we've seen, what we've heard from scouts, what we've talking to coaches and all this, he keeps taking steps forward. And he's in an organization that's doing a very good job of developing hitters. We know that. And you see what he's doing. Low A, the current version of low A just probably was a little slow for him. He's like, no, I can handle this. I handle tougher than this in spring training. He was facing more advanced pitchers in spring training than he was facing in low A. So you're kind of having to move him up the ladder and see, okay, is high A going to be enough of a challenge? And it's not crazy to think that he may find high A to be at his level or even maybe a little bit beneath him. And if that's the case, then you get really interesting because much as we talked about with Churio, when you are talking about players who can get, if you could talk about a high school player, not to say he will, but who could get to double A in his first full pro season. Well, that's, that's a very promising indicator. Yeah. A really promising indicator. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, hopefully Jackson holiday stays in high A for a couple more weeks because I'm going to be yes. out there in that area uh, as they're in town in Brooklyn in a couple of weeks. And I'm going to be in the tri-state area. And one of my, my initial focus was going to see maybe Jason Dominguez, maybe seeing Richard Fitz in Somerset, but also seeing James Woodwell, that he's in town uh, in Hudson Valley. Now it's it's shifted in a matter of like, <laughs> it's actually a little bit closer for me to go into Brooklyn. So I guess I'll be heading on over to Coney Island and uh, grabbing some hot dogs and, you know, shooting back and forth from that park to get some looks at him as well as uh, some talented Mets prospects like Alex Ramirez and Kevin Parada and others. This was a conversation Jeff and I were having on Slack last night. And he's like, hey, I was planning to go see, you know, all these guys, but do you think I should add Aberdeen to the trip? And I'm like, yes, a hundred thousand times. Yes, you should absolutely <laughs> go see Jackson Holiday Because again, that's the thing about this. What is great about this is, is like, hey, I, I will end it with this. As we try to do often on these podcasts. If you are a subscriber to our podcast, we thank you. Please feel free to leave us a review. You know, a five-star review helps other people find our podcast. That said, if you're a Baseball America subscriber who is listening to this podcast, a thousand times thank you. Because you doing what you do, subscribing to Baseball America is what allows us to do what we do, which is, I mean, I'm jealous right now because again, Jeff's going to see Jackson Holiday in the you know in the next couple of weeks. But that be that's for how, that's why we can go see, uh, you know, by the time the dust clears, the end of the year, when it's all over, we look at it and say, how many of the top hundred prospects did we have someone see in per- person this year? And usually the answer is almost all of them. Um, There'll be a, a guy who slips through here or there, but we will have 
and and when you throw in like hey draftees that carlos and peter and you and you know and josh and all have seen as well like we're able to blend all of it we talk to a lot of people we do a lot of reporting we talk to people in baseball we also try to see these players and on top of that we also try to use all the data so thank you baseball america subscribers for all that you do that's a perfect way to end this and if you haven't joined them feel free to join us baseballamerica.com slash store sign up for a digital sub or a print sub or a print and digital sub and enjoy all of our great hardwalled content in addition to stuff like the prospect hop sheet and stuff like that and all. so for jeff Potts, i'm jj cooper so long everybody 